We are wrapping up this series. It's been a great series, Heaven and Hell and Everything in Between. And if you didn't catch it all, you can go back to lifehousepeople.com and watch the series just to get you kind of caught up. We have been talking about this really interesting idea of how do we bring heaven down on earth, which is God's goodness and his grace, his love, his righteousness. And how do we keep hell from coming up into our lives in all of its destructive ways? I said to you a couple of weeks ago, I had a friend that said, Matt, this world is just hard enough as it is. We don't need to make it any more difficult. We've been talking about this the series is, you know, there's two battles going on in our world. It's light and darkness. It's good and evil. It literally is God and the evil one. And what are we going to pay attention to? And it's been a great series. It's helped me think through some things. But to wrap this up, we're going to take a little bit of a left turn. And I simply want to talk to the parents in the room, which doesn't exclude anybody because all of you are a parent in some way. Either you have kids, you have grandkids, maybe you're single and you're speaking into somebody else's life, or maybe you'll have kids some So here's my question for all of us. Parents, how are you doing right now? Whether you have a two-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 25-year-old, how are you doing? And how are you doing really in your life, right? Because we've just come off a really crazy year and a half. And I'm not really big on talking about the pandemic over and over again. But for this message today, I thought it's really appropriate because it's been a really strange time for parents to this pandemic. I mean, we've had school closing and viruses and trying to figure out quarantines and all those things. And you know this, someday these will be the stories from today that we tell our grandkids and our grandkids talk about 25 years from now. And what we found out during the pandemic is, man, all of our home lives weren't all as great as we thought it was was right we kind of all got together we had to spend a lot of time together we realized we're a little bit broken and it feels like maybe we're hopeful things are returning to normal but what i thought for today we could figure out how not just to go back to normal because normal wasn't working as good as we thought and how could we do better and hopefully we'll never see a pandemic but hopefully we'll do better in the future and can i ask you one other question around what's happened in the last year and a half what the heck happened to the murder hornets weren't we all supposed to die of bugs flying through the air right and then wasn't there a swarm of other bugs that were supposed to come and get us i missed out on all that i was really looking forward to something really like um never mind that's just my deal that's just my deal so i thought just to have a little fun because some of you experience like having school at home we would read some fun memes that came out of um, school at home over the last year or so and here's one this is kind of fun one um, parent said I'm homeschooling like that substitute teacher who rolls the TV in for a movie and just eats snacks in the back of the class isn't that great some of you as parents you did that some of you decided listen we're going to use this time together I'm going to teach my kids how to change the oil in the car how to do crafts how to do things around the house one um, mom said this this is me showing my kids how to do a craft this is 10 minutes later have you run into that a good intentions and then all all hell breaks loose. This next one resonated with me. You may be too young to remember this. This is what one person sent in. Me teaching my kids the only thing I remember from elementary school. Heads up, seven up. That was like the best back in the day. I can't do algebra, but I can teach you heads up, seven up. And the last one, just for fun. One mom said, sarcastic mommy. If listening to your kids tell a story, burn calories, I'd be invisible. Isn't that great? Because some of you have a four-year-old and they tell you the story about whatever they're talking about and 35 minutes later, they are still telling the story and you're so glad to engage with their heart, but they're killing you, man. It's like, just get to the end, please, right? But we're all making memories right now. 
whether you're adult kids, 15-year-old kids, two-year-old kids, or your grandparent or whatever. And parenting is hard. And here's what we're going to say today, because we're all in the same place together. None of us are getting it all right. And in some way, shape, or form, we're all getting part of it wrong. But what if we could get less wrong when it comes to our parenting? And here's what we know. There's some things that we just can't lose in this season of life. I love this quote. This quote by Ken Costa. He says, when we lose our why, we always lose our way. And the why of why we're doing something is so important. And what I don't want us to lose is why we're raising kids and just trying to get to the end and just trying to get through it, but understand the why so we lean in strong. Now, it's so interesting when we talk about this, it reminds me of something that happened in the ancient Hebrew scriptures. We call it the Old Testament. The Israelites were marching through the desert to the promised land. And they were getting close. And Moses, like the Moses, he writes this book called Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy literally means the law again. And he writes this passage of scripture to remind God's people, the Israelites, the why behind their journey and what matters most. Listen to what Moses says. He says this, listen, O Israel. They're God's kids. It's God's nation in the Old Testament. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And that's a big deal because he's stating that there's one God and he's the God of creation, the God of heaven and earth. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. That the why behind this whole thing is that we're to give God everything we have. And then he says, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly. It's a big statement to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again, and let's say this last part, to your, say this word, children. Yeah, this is where we run into this. This whole idea of love God with everything you are, now make sure you teach this to your children. Look what he says, talk about them. When you're at home, and when you're on the road, and when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up, and it's interesting, there's one person that's in this role you know, from morning to evening, and that's the role of the guardian or the parent. And he goes on, he says, tie them on your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. It reminds you back in the day when people would tie a little string on their finger to remember something. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The Lord, your God, he goes on to say, will soon bring you into the land that he swore to give you when he made a vow to your ancestors, your grandpas, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Moses wraps this up and he says, be careful, be careful not to forget because it's so easy to forget the why. The Lord who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. It's interesting because these people were getting close to the promised land where things were going to get better. It was a land flowing with milk and honey. And Moses knew something about them that you know about you. When we're desperate and it's hard, it's easy to look up to God. But when things get easier or go back to normal, we forget to look up to God. And Moses is like, do not forget, do not forget what is most important. you got to pass this on to your kids, the next generation. Model it. Don't lose focus on who you are and whose you are. Because if you can grab on as God's children who you are, you will be blessed. And not like things are easy or you just have more money. That's not the message here. But you'll be close to God. And you'll be able to bless other people. You can't forget. And let's just be honest. We're a people that forget things easy. Here's where I know I can forget things easy when I go into Costco. Every once in a while, I'll travel over to Costco in Fort Wayne to pick up some steaks because I like red meat a lot. I think it's a gift from God. If you don't, that's okay. 
You'll learn the truth someday. Anyway, so I, I go to Costco and the meat's in the back and I walk in to get dinner and I get there and I, you open the doors and it's like the angels show up because there's an 82 inch TV right at the entrance of Costco. Have you experienced this? And it's like God is in the house. So I got to look at those and then I have to go look at the tools because I've got tools. I don't know how to use the tools, but I got to look at the tools, right? That's my deal. And I'm like, Tina, my wife, I got to get this tool. And I mean, she's like, but Matt, you can't fix anything. But I know, but wouldn't it look cool on my cabinet at home? Wouldn't that look great and then I look at 10 other things and I leave and on the way home I think I forgot to get the steaks I forgot to get the steaks I forgot what was most important and why I'm here now this is why this is a big deal and I think this is what Moses is trying to convey that if we forget the why the next generation just might lose their way along the way this idea of love God with all that you are and that Jesus would come along and say then love people the way I have loved you and how do we navigate through that? How do we figure that out? And, and here's the challenge. Your kids and my kids, they all have done really important things. You know, their activities and their sports and the things they've been a part of. But how does that compare to your child putting a stake in the ground and saying, I'm going to live my life for God? To your son getting in the baptismal tub and going public with his faith and say, I'm going to dedicate the rest of my life and eternity to Jesus who loves me. For your daughter and your son to say, I'm going to be guided in my morality, my sexuality, and the decisions I make by what God would want for me, not what my peer group would want for me. What would you give up for that? And in that, there's no comparison of what matters all for our children and their children to say, I'm going to trust God with my life even what it's hard, when it's hard. You see, Moses believed. And I believe, and maybe you believe, as our faith goes, so goes the faith of the next generation. And we've got to fight for our families and our faith and our families that have two parents and single parents and are trying to figure out parents and all that stuff because so goes our faith, so goes our children. And you know this, the window of opportunity with our kids closes so quickly. One day you have a two-year-old in your arms and you think, I have the rest of their young lives just pour into them. And the next moment, and parents, if you're young, you don't get this yet, but you will. You'll be dropping off at college and you won't be able to believe it. Or you'll watch them walk down the aisle and you won't be able to wrap your mind around it. Or if you're like me, you'll watch one take off with their new bride and go all the way out to Arizona and another one go all the way down to Georgia and you're thinking, my window is all but closed. But we have an opportunity right now to pour into our kids. Now here's some good news. Um, Lifeway study did some surveying and they came up with some really interesting statistics. They found that 90%, especially families that were engaged in trying to follow God, had a desire to improve when it came to their family. And 83% ultimately felt they were responsible for their children's faith. And that's a great trend that's happening because you know the trend has been, listen, my kid's Sunday school teacher is supposed to teach my kid about Jesus. My church is supposed to teach my kid about faith and scriptures. And that's partly true. But you know this, the main responsibility of faith lies on your parents because the parents are the one that are with you at night and in the morning and along the way during the day. This is what's interesting, 82% of parents fear the future. In other words, I'm afraid of what's coming because I'm just not sure what to do. And I thought we got some young parents and some empty nester parents, grandparents, and about to be parents in the room. And I want to simply give you two critical, two critical practices that you could start right now. And I think your life would be better as a family for it. So the first one is just simply this. 
Would you be willing in your family to fight for the heart of your child? Just fight for the heart of your child. And when your child is two years old, three years old, four years old, it's pretty easy to get, capture their hearts because they, they want to be with you. They want to sit on your lap. They want you to read with, to them. They want to be with you. You have their hearts at three years old, right? I mean, they're stinkers and they poop their pants. Well, maybe not at three, but you, know, you have their heart. But then this weird thing happens. They turn into these monsters called teenagers. And if you're a teenager in the room, so glad you're with us. But this, it feels like their heart drifts a little bit. And part of that is because that's what's supposed to happen because they're working on being independent as adults. But it also can communicate, mom, dad, I am sick of you. I don't want to be around you. And that's the place that you got to fight for their hearts and be engaged. And it's hard any season of life. But when it's stressful, and it's been really stressful the last couple years, and it's going to always be stressful, it gets even harder. So if you're going to fight for the hearts of your kids, can I make a suggestion? Would you be willing to create a culture of unconditional love in your home to fuel the emotional and spiritual health of your children? Would you create a culture of unconditional love that your kids know they're secure with you? And see, growing up in church, when I read this, I thought, well, you know, you're supposed to read the Bible with your kids, which is a really amazing thing to do. You should do that. And you should pray with your kids, and you should do that and do devotionals. My parents did that with me. That's an all yes. But this is way past just doing a 10-minute devotional. It's about creating a place in your home where your kids just know, I am loved unconditionally. And the season that we've been in, it's been really easy just to be about the rules, isn't it? Here's the five rules you have to obey, and if you don't do these things, you're going to get punished. But you know this. Rules don't work with people if it's just about the rules. And some of us, we learn that approach from church because you showed up in church as a young person. And somebody like me just said, hey, here's the rules. You don't follow the rules. God's going to not like you anymore. But do you know who does the best with God's commands and does the best with God's rules? are people that have fallen in love with God. And they know that every command comes from a place of love for them. And what if we created a culture for our kids when they knew we loved them so much that they just went, you know, mom and dad, I disagree with you, but I know you love me, so I'm gonna at least consider what you're saying. And when our kids walked across some line of disobedience or found some natural consequence because of what they'd done, they'd be able to look back and go, you know what, my dad told me those things because he actually, he cared about me and he loved me. What if we created a culture in our homes that was modeled after that 1 Corinthians 13 verse that we hear at weddings so often, but it's not just about weddings, it's so much more. It's about life and love, and it's certainly about family. Where 1 Corinthians says this, that love is patient and kind. What if we fought for the heart of our kids and our homes were filled with patient and kindness? Now, if you're not a patient and kind person, it just simply means you have work to do on that. It doesn't envy and love doesn't boast. It's not proud. You know what that means as a parent, parents? It means when you mess up, you come back to your kids and go, dad messed up. Dad was wrong. You will gain respect from your kids like you cannot imagine when you're willing to admit your mistakes to your kids. Still hold up the standard. Still have boundaries. But when I mess up, you need to know I admit I mess up. It's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. Mom, you got an anger problem? Dad, you got an anger problem? You need a handle on it. You need to ask God for hope, get some counseling, whatever you have to do, but don't be easily angered. 
It doesn't keep score. It always protects us. And this is an anthem for me. I just wish and pray that as fathers we would decide, I'm going to protect my family with my actions, and I'm going to stand in the gap and protect my family. Because moms have been doing it way too much, and if fathers would just decide, I'm going to protect my family from me, I'm protecting my family from everything else, our families would go in a better direction. It always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. You're thinking about quitting on your family. Don't quit, persevere. Don't give up. Ask God for strength. Again, get counseling, get help. Keep coming around here. But we persevere. It's a powerful thing. And, and for some of you, this is a culture that is going to be hard to create in your homes. And you, you might need to put a sign up over your bathroom mirror that says, love is kind. Be kind today, Dad. Love is not easily angered. You put that over the fridge. I'm not going to be easily angered. And I'm going to stand in the gap. And as I stand in the gap, I'm going to create a culture of unconditional love in our homes. Now see, you, you know this, our, our culture doesn't necessarily promote this, and that's okay. We don't need our culture to do this for us to do this. But what if we made it a goal to make this a place where our kids grow up and they're raised, even when our kids don't like us? We still have strong standards and we still have some boundaries for them, absolutely. Kids can't get away with what they want, but it would be in the environment of strong love. And what I hope for you is that you come up with your two or three things like in the next 10 minutes and go, you know what, here's some things I'm gonna do in my home to get this going. But so it's not just hanging out there in the air, I wanted to give you some simple best practices that we have found in our family what's been really helpful. Here's a simple one. That when your kids go to bed, don't send them to bed with an iPad. Don't send them to bed in front of the TV. As a parent, spend the last 15, 20, 30 minutes with your kids. And I know it's exhausting. And parents, I know you're exhausted. There is no better investment of 20 minutes than with your kids at the end of the day. Lay down beside them. Pray with them. Talk to them. Andy talks about this all the time. Ask them how their heart is. Was anybody mean to you today? Anybody treat you unfairly? You mad at mom? You mad at dad? Talk with your kids. Every night when I was growing up, every night my mom would come in and sing to me. I am the, old, the most over-affirmed child on the planet, I'm telling you. But I can remember my mom doing that. I can remember my dad coming in and laying down beside me and talking to me about God and telling me stories about Ignatz and Daisy Bell that he made up about these two little fictional characters and just spending time with me. And it put something in my heart I don't think will ever be taken out. Here's another thought. How about time as a family? And here's the challenge of time as a family is we are so busy we miss time as a family. I would just tell you, if you ask me what the most important things in our family, for me growing up and my kids growing up, is we ate dinner together most nights out of the week. And we would say no to activities and things our kids were doing so we could be together at dinner time. And I'm telling you, my friends, now that my kids are gone and they live all over the country, those times were so much better than the other things I could have been doing with my time. Another thing that Tina and I did and we didn't do this right, but somebody told us to do this. We weren't smart enough to figure it out ourselves as we had couch time almost every night. And I'd come home from work. Tina was a stay-at-home mom. My wife was a stay-at-home mom. And it was so good for us. I'm not saying that's what you should do, but it was just so good for us. And I'd come in and I'd hug all the kids and throw them against the wall and love them and tickle them because that's what you do as a dad, right? And then we'd have couch time for 15 or 20 minutes. And if we'd go, Tina and I would sit on the couch and our kids were not allowed to talk to us. 
or bother us. And they were little. We just said, you cannot bother us for 20 minutes. And what we wanted our kids to see was us being together, just the two of us. Now, if you're a single parent, I realize you gotta figure out how to fill the gaps with God and your heavenly father, how that all works. So I know that's a challenge. But if you can do this as a married couple, I'm telling you, it's a powerful thing because it creates security in your home. And it conveys that your children are not the center of your universe, which is never a healthy family. I would suggest you celebrate. And don't celebrate how far your kids can throw a ball or how far they can swing a a home run bat. Celebrate when they emulate. Love is patient, love is kind. Every time you see that, celebrate it big. When you see forgiveness in your family, celebrate it. Because you know this, what's celebrated is rewarded. And when your siblings see you being rewarded for something really precious like forgiveness and love and servanthood, they emulate that also. One other thing I'd tell you to do is make sure you you parent individually of all your kids because all of your kids are different. We did this series about three months ago. I said this, you heard that. And it's how to understand the unique temperament of different people. And all of my kids, they're completely different human beings. It's so weird how they can be so different and grow up in the same house. Isn't that strange? And taking the time to know how to talk to them and how to convey and communicate is really important. Like one of my kids, we, we could just sit down and have it out and argue it out and we'd be better. Other, my other kids, you have to do something totally different. This temperament idea helps you discover the difference between your kids. And in another aspect, I love what Reggie Joyner said, one of my favorite authors. He said, children need more than just a family that gives them unconditional acceptance and love. They need a tribe that gives them a sense of belonging and significance. And we've all seen this, that when kids are left on their own to find their own tribe, they often find the wrong tribe to be a part of. And we know this, you know, you see a 12-year-old young man or a 12-year-old young lady who's going down a pretty good road, and then all of a sudden they get with a certain group of people, and God loves all those people. But a year later, that same 12-year-old boy, now he's a disaster, he's a mess, and his parents, they're pulling off their hair. But you need the right kind of tribe. It's why, it's why Solomon said this. He said, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get into big time trouble. Which leads me to my second thought. The first idea was, would we be willing to find out how to capture the heart of our kids? The second thing is, would we be willing to figure out how to widen the circle of our kids' influence? And this is the idea. It's fostering strategic relationships outside your home for your kids. There's this weird, interesting thing happening in in young people's lives. They're literally watching less TV, almost no TV, and they're flipping on things like YouTube and other channels, and they're watching people just talk about things and play video games and hang out in certain places, and our young people are just so attracted to it, and they're being influenced by it. Now, I'm not saying all that's wrong at all. Some of it's just fine. But we want to make sure that our kids are being influenced by people that have the same values that we have, the right people. And here's what you'll find out if you're a young parent. There'll be a day that your kids won't seek you out to talk with. It's the weirdest thing, like your five-year-old, your eight-year-old loves to be with you, and one day your 13-year-old daughter, she wants to do anything but talk to you. And in that moment, you and I will be desperate for someone to talk to her that has the same values as we do. And here's one of the things our kids will need to talk about. 
they're going to need to talk about us. Because our children will be so frustrated with us because they won't understand and their brain's still developing and they're trying to mature. They're going to need someone to talk to. But they need to have the same values as we value in our lives. This is what this interesting um, research by the Sticky Faith Study from Fuller Institute said. They found out that kids need at least five, five intergenerational relationships to develop a faith that lasts. Now, parents, you're always going to be the number one person in your kid's life. But after you, we just need help. We found that on our lives over and over. And here's the beautiful thing. As a church, we put together, together an entire strategy to do just that. We put together a strategy for your littlest of kids in Wombaland, to your kids in Upstreet, to your students in transit and inside out, that they would be part of a circle of other students with an adult leader or two or three that would value the things that we value, that they would have a circle to support you, parents, never to replace you, but to come alongside and say, we're here for you to influence your kids. Now, can I tell you a challenging thing with that? For that to work... Your kids have to be here. I can't like sugarcoat this. For that to work, they need to be here. And we love digital church. And in fact, digital online church is here to say, and if you're watching online, we're not mad at you. We're just jealous of you because you're probably in your underwear drinking coffee on your couch. So good for you. Here's where digital church we don't think is translating very well. And we haven't figured out, I'm not sure we can figure it out, how we really interact with children digitally. That children need to be here with other people and an adult leader to speak into their hearts. And the best time to get that going, and Andy said this last week, is when your child is little, it's so much harder to start when they're 13 and things are really getting hard. We'll, We'll work with it. But it's so much easier when your kids are little. And you have to decide what's most important along the way. And we just decided as a family. And of course, I'm a pastor. It makes sense we decided this. But I'm also the benefactor of this. That our kids were going to be here on Sundays. And on other days that we were hanging out as a church family. And not other places. And the easiest way for me to illustrate this. And what I'm about to show you. I I don't want to be self-promoting. And it can be a little bit prideful. So just know I'm confessing that ahead of time. But the easiest way for me to illustrate this is a picture I took just a couple weeks ago. This is my daughter. And she's standing next to these awesome signs that the city and the county put up in in our town. It's awesome. It lists all the state champs from Van Wert High School and other places, I suppose. But this is Van Wert High School. And I'm so grateful for this. And I'm so grateful for her coaches that coached her to this and the schools she went to and the other schools in her neighborhood. And I love sports. And my daughter won, her name's right here. She won the Megan Brown long jump in 2018. I was ecstatic that day. And I'm so grateful for it. Guys, I can't express how grateful I am for all this. And when I took her to get her picture taken, I mean, she can tell she's just beaming. Like, I can't believe it. I get it on here, right? But if you ask me, If you ask me to choose between this state championship and all of her medals and all the signs and all the accolades that she's gotten and my boys got through things like sports and other things that they've done and the opportunity to be here with you people and have people like Veronica and Courtney and her small group 
pour into her life, if I had to choose between those two things, it would take me a millisecond to decide what I would choose, and it would not be her sports. I love her sports. It would not be her sports. Because one is temporary and will rust and will not last, and the other is serving her well and it will carry her through eternity. And it's such a challenging thing because, you know, we commit to this. You're a young family. Like, no, we're, we're not going to go down those roads. We're, we're going to be part of a culture that raises our kids following Jesus. And then somebody tells your son, you throw a ball better than other balls. Let's just dedicate your entire world to this one thing. And you're seven years old. And we just go, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. But we can't figure out what's wrong with our kids and their faith when they're 16 or 17. And I'm all for sports. I just want to say that I'm all for dance. I'm all for activities. Go, go, go. But something has to take priority. And if you're a parent, you get to make a choice in this. But they gotta be here. Here's the other thing. If you're not a parent here today, this is where this is really beautiful. You're a grandparent. You're an empty nester. You get to lean into the faith of the next generations by coming along kids that are not even yours. Because for all of my kids, the other thing I'm so thankful for is that they decided to serve themselves. And when my kids were in middle school, and this is because they wanted to do it, I didn't even push them, they served in Upstreet. And they got to you know, feel the, the thrill and the love of showing other kids who Jesus is. And they had another adult that would pour into their lives because they would serve with another adult. And parents, you know the best way to get your kids to serve is, is when you serve. It's a beautiful thing when a family decides we're going to serve in our local church together. And if you're single, if you're an empty nester, if you got grandkids, you get to keep leaning into the next generation. And we always need help, especially in our kids' world, because kids are just overflowing in this place. One more note on kids. You know where we always need the most help is with men, because women are just better than men when it comes to this. You, you engage, men. This is a little tender, but we have a lot of little ones in the back, students, middle school kids, elementary age kids, they don't have a father figure in their life. And for a man to volunteer in those environments is a powerful thing. And the women are knocking it out of the park. We need to catch up and be part of them and what they're doing. So come on, this is a cool thing. Would we go after the heart of our children? And would we expand their circle? Now, I was planning on just stopping there, but there's one more thing I wanted to talk about, but it didn't really fit into this message, and it's a little bit controversial, and it's a little bit edgy, and I didn't know if I wanted to talk about this today because it didn't really fit. Then I thought, listen, I started the church, and I'm 51. I get to talk whatever I want to in this place, so I'm, I'm going to give you one, one more thing I want to talk about, and I'm just going to call this one's for free for y'all. It's just extra bonus, but it's on my heart a lot these days. And it revolves around this idea, and I've shared this with some of you before, that, that often, especially when it's a baby girl, but boys too, but especially when it's a baby girl, fathers, and fathers, I'm going to push you just a little bit. This is what we say often. Oh, no one's ever going to date my baby girl. You ever hear that? I'm going to sit on the front porch, and I'm going to hold the shotgun. If any boys come around, I'm going to blow the pinky toe off. You know, it's all this big talk. Hand me a beer. Yeah, we'll get this done, right? This is what we do, right? And that's awesome. I'm all for blowing pinky toes off of everybody that comes around my house. Just, that's, that's my deal. Blow those toes off. But then something happens with moms, but dads, I'm talking to us because I am one. That somehow we get worn down by life. And we get worn down by our sons and our daughters. And by the time they turn 11, 12, 13 years old, we're just too tired to put up that fight anymore. 
And it's like we just go, yeah, come take my daughter. Yeah, boys, just go out there and just go after whatever your appetites are. And we just stop standing in the gap. Can I just make a suggestion? Because I know you love your kids, dads and moms. And moms, you can do this if you're carrying the weight by yourself. Stand in the gap. Push off dating. There's nothing cute about a 12-year-old dating. There's nothing cute about a 13-year-old having a boyfriend or a girlfriend. You know why? Because we know this research to be true. The earlier a child starts dating, a student starts dating, the earlier they start participating in sexual activity. We just decided we're going to push that off as far as we can. And then when we decided it's time for our kids to start you know, putting their toe in the water in those ways, we decided we're going to be part of the process. I'll never forget um, Hannah, my son's wife. Um, they were going to prom together. It was the first girlfriend Jake could ever have. Their first date was going to prom. And I said, that's great, but Jake, Hannah's going to have to come in and talk with me. And he's like, what? And she was like, what? Yeah, she, and Jake said this. I thought this was only for Megan, my sister. I didn't think this was for the boys. Oh, no, everybody's on the hook with that. And I, Hannah, she'll tell you this story. She sat there at the table and wide-eyed. And she's like, yes, Mr. Brown. Yes, Mr. Brown. Yes, Mr. Brown. And what I did is I shared my heart with how much I love my son. And we're not going to take that lightly. And then when Megan, you know, the first time a boy came around, I threatened the life out of him. He was, it was way more difficult, you know. And dads, if you have that interview and the boy's not crying at the end, you have not done it right. Just so you know, call me up for a hundred bucks. I'll come give the talk for you. I'll, I'll contract that out. And then we just sit down with boyfriends and girlfriends every month. And hey, let's talk. Let's figure this out. We're on it. We're still having those conversations today. And we didn't get it perfect, and the kids aren't perfect by any means. But it's a better shot of standing in the gap and love always protecting. And here's the other thing. When you have your kids say no to something, you got to stand in the gap and be there in the gap. And you got to have the energy to be there and be in a relationship and do things and say, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. It brings back the question. What's most important? What's most important? Your child's heart, their circle, their protection when they're not old enough to make decisions that you know the world's given them permission to make decisions. And I know this of all of you as parents, when it comes to bringing heaven down, we do not wanna bring any more heaven down or any more hell up. We wanna bring all the heaven down we possibly can. God's goodness. His love, his grace, his righteousness. And you want that because one day your kids will walk down the aisle and you're not going to be sure if they're ready for it. You're going to be glad you poured in as much as you could in those early days. And we just want to say no more hell up. And some of you could tell the stories how you didn't have parents that did the things we're talking about. And hell came up in your life. We had the chance to change that. You are strong enough in God to change that. You can do this. You will not get it perfect. This is not some call to perfection, but this is a call for intentionality to make some decisions. I'm going to fight for the heart of my child. I'm going to widen their circle. And I'm going to stand in the gap and I'm going to protect them when they're not old enough to think through things the way they should when they're older. We can do this, guys. 
And we can do this because we know that Jesus said, when you refer to God, he's a good heavenly father. Because that's the model of the ordained relationship between God and his people. And then the family, parents and children, that we'd be good parents that love our kids with all of our hearts. But you gotta make the intentional decision to do it. We're gonna wrap up the service today by singing one of my new most favorite songs. It's called The Blessing. And we wanna sing it over you as single people, as parents, as grandparents. But then I want you to sing it over your children and your children's children and the children you work with in Wombaland and Upstreet. And if you don't work with any of them yet, I'm praying you'll think about working with them in the next month as we give you opportunity to do that. And I want you to pray it over your children's children and the next generation that we would be part of pointing them towards a God that loves him. The best way to move forward in this life and the next. And less hell and a whole lot more heaven in our lives. Let me pray for you and then we're going to sing together. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful for the model that you put forth with Israel and your children in the New Testament of how we're supposed to lead our children. Give us the strength as young parents, parents with adult kids, grandparents, singles that are passing on faith to other people's kids. Give us the strength to do that well and to stand strong and be fearless in what you've called us to. When we mess it up, God, let us just say we messed that up and then start over trying again. And thanks for your unconditional love in us. Help us to foster that in our very own homes. In Jesus' name I pray.